Welcome in, everyone, to the Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread, the sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News, joined by Travis Ryer, the longtime senior analyst at BamaOnline.com. The Talking Tide Twitter feed is Talking underscore Tide. If you click on that handle, give us a follow on Twitter. You'll get links to all of our podcasts. Of course, you can get them on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you prefer to get your podcasts. Also catch us on Facebook and YouTube. I'm going to thank a couple of sponsors really quickly, uh, DraftKings and Peter Brook, Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa. And with that, Travis, we dive right into the Sunday Nighter with a lot to get to, uh, beginning certainly with Alabama's fate in the final CFP rankings. As expected, Travis, I think for at least both of us, the Crimson Tide finishes outside the playoff field ends up in the Sugar Bowl, going to be taking on Kansas State. That'll be New Year's Eve, even though it won't really be Eve because they're kicking that thing off at 11 a.m. Uh, I, I guess that's happened before, but but a Sugar Bowl at 11 a.m., um, something about that just doesn't quite settle well <laughs> with me. But uh, be, uh, A lot of folks with Bloody Mary stumbling down yeah. Poitras trying to uh, hair the dog in. Yeah. I guess, I guess if, if there's a benefit or a plus to an 11 a.m. Sugar Bowl kickoff on December 31st, yeah. it's that the game won't interfere with those New Year's Eve, that New hey, Year's Eve party. You know? yeah, yeah, you get to reload. <laughs> it's, uh, I'm sure it'll be a scene. It'll be my uh, third New Year's Eve in New Orleans. Uh, both oh. of the other, and the, the other two were, uh, Sugar Bowl related as well. So uh-huh. certainly looking forward to that. Of course, the CFP field, Travis, ends up with uh, Georgia first seed, of course, followed by Michigan, TCU, and Ohio State. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about the Alabama Awards Banquet, a little bit of transfer portal news. We'll get to Alabama basketball. Uh, but first, Travis, your thoughts uh, on this Sugar Bowl matchup with a Kansas State team that took TCU down in the Big 12 title game. Exciting game. Yeah, we've kind of alluded to this, I think, in the past. This isn't the type of opponent you like to see in a bowl game because, first of all, they're old. It's a veteran K-State team. Uh, Second of all, if you're thinking about opt-outs in bowl games like this, this won't be a team uh, that has that issue. Uh, And they'll be supremely motivated because they're getting Alabama. Everybody's motivated when they get Alabama. But um, so there is that Utah concern. Uh, from the 2009 season, maybe Oklahoma, uh, what we saw in 2013 or to cap that season uh, in New Orleans as well. I think that's your biggest concern. And look, they're a physical football team, man. They're going to line up and nothing Alabama has shown this year says don't even try to run the football. If anything, it says, hey, this is an Alabama defense. You can kind of get physical with and then hit the perimeter with some jet sweeps and some things like that. I mean, just the last game, Auburn, what it put on tape certainly isn't going to discourage this K-State team. So talent-wise, when you just look at rosters, you're going to think, oh, this is Alabama, especially if Bryce and Will and some of those guys actually end up playing. Uh, but even if they do play, I, I don't see this as, as being a uh, a real easy game for Alabama. Also, I think matchup-wise, one thing, and, th- and this feeds into what you said somewhat certainly about the run defense, but Alabama's been spotty in the – in the area of open field tackling at times this season. 
And that's not good for a team that's got this Deuce Vaughn kid who's had a really big year running the ball for Kansas State, over 1,400 yards rushing, a really outstanding receiver who will kill you on the perimeter if you let him. And uh, it's he's certainly fun to watch. I enjoyed watching him play against mm-hmm. TCU. Really small guy, Travis, five foot six. Yeah. Uh, but he'll, he, he will make anybody miss in the open field. Got some Shawd Williams to him in terms of yeah. size and uh, open field ability, but also determination. Don't let his size fool you. This is a guy who isn't afraid to run it up in there. But, yeah, they can get him on the perimeter. And Malik Knowles is one of their receivers that they lost early in the game Saturday for the remainder of the game. And from what I've been able to catch up with here in the last couple of hours, Chris Kleiman, the head coach for K-State, thinks he's going to be able to go. That's another guy that, you know, they like to get the football to in different ways. So, uh, you know, again, just in terms of pure talent, uh, you look at Alabama, even with all the opt-outs already because of the transfer portal, uh, and you think still should be in good shape. But you better show up at 11 a.m. on New Year's Eve morning or this is that type of team, kind of like even an academy team. Um, that can pants you in front of everybody if you don't. No doubt about it, Alabama. Again, taking on Kansas State on December 31st, 11 a.m. over in New Orleans for the Sugar Bowl. Uh, You mentioned the portal, Travis. uh, A little bit of portal news for Alabama on the eve of the portal officially opening. uh, I suppose that a lot of these transfer portal announcements that we've seen uh, of late Uh, They got to be a little premature, right? Because the window doesn't officially open until December 5th. Uh, And as we record here on the evening of the 4th, uh, the transfer portal news has already become kind of a flurry. Uh, And uh, since we last podcasted, two of the bigger names uh, to announce they're leaving Alabama, Travis Treshawn Holden, and even more recently, JV and Cohen, uh, starting guard for the Crimson Tide, uh, unless they withdraw their names, looks like they'll be headed elsewhere. It does. And, you know, we've heard Nick Saban talk about it really this season about the the depth that, that Alabama hasn't had that it's accustomed to having. And this is where it all goes. It, it happened a year ago. Um, you know, and credit to a team like Georgia. They, they haven't really been hit as hard. They haven't accessed the transfer portal as far as bringing talent in. So it makes, I think, player development even a greater challenge because – now, if you win a national championship like Alabama did in 2020 and a uh, guy's a freshman that season, and then the next season he plays more and at one point is sort of a starter, let's say like Drew Sanders, mm-hmm. but the season ends and it looks like he may or may not be the guy at one of those linebacker positions to start the season. Well, he's got his national championship now. Right. So, you know, that's going to be the challenge moving forward, not only for Alabama, but Georgia, I think, is going to have to probably deal with more of that. So, um, you know, for the Alabama offensive line, I guess Cohen is the third guy uh, that they've had go into the portal or announce he would enter the portal. Um, But we saw so much of Tyler Booker. I guess the concern, too, is uh, Emil Echior moving on. So, um, you know, I think a guy like Terrence Ferguson, they've got some guys in the pipeline. Inside, And I also think they still have some guys that tackle, depending on who stays, that could end up inside. Um, I don't know if they stay if they're going to go inside. And I'm talking about a guy like Tyler Steen. Let's say Elijah Pritchett 
the true freshman shows you he's capable of taking over at a tackle. And you've got uh, J.C. Latham. Right. One of these tackles want to hang around to go inside. I'm not saying that's what would happen, but there are scenarios out there where you can include the tackle position into some of these areas of the Alabama interior that we've seen hit. Going to be a busy week for Sal Sunsery for sure. He's the point man on that support staff when it comes to the transfer portal. And and you know Nick Saban said from the beginning of the portal that it was going to it was going to make the rich richer. And I and I I see his point on that, and I think he's right to some extent. Uh, but as you pointed out, when you lose more than you pick up numbers wise, yeah, you might be able to pluck a star or two. But your depth can be gutted a little bit, uh, you know, in spite and your of your culture. Yeah, and your culture can take your some depth hits. and your culture. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and it's in some cases uh, somebody's going to come in with so much talent and ability that it'll transcend culture. I.e., like a guy like Jamison Williams, uh, who, who was mm-hmm. just dominant from the jump. But not everybody's going to be like that. And I think to your point. You're even even a even a guy who's a, a proven player at another power five school, you bring that guy in sometimes, he's gonna bring habits with him, Travis. He's gonna yeah. bring the program from where he came with him. And I it, it can be problematic, I think, uh uh depending on who you're talking about, uh, to get into maybe a little bit of deprogramming. And that that doesn't speak to character at all. I mean, the kid could be a super kid, a disciplined kid, an effort kid, yeah. an effort kid. But if, but if you're coming in from habit with habits that are two, three years deep from another coach and you come into a situation where your next coach wants something completely different, it can be a struggle. And you can be talented enough to walk right into Alabama and be a real factor from day one. But to your point, if you're coming from a program where it didn't matter all that much, maybe, and then you got to make that jump and right. get into that sense of urgency – that Alabama operates with, that can be a bit of a problem as well. It kind of all falls into line with what we were talking about there. Um, but, yeah, I think from a front-line player perspective, Alabama will still be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but depth, you know, these these guys that you used to be able to count on to hang around until they at least got their degree and then they would go the grad transfer route, they don't mm-hmm. do that anymore. They got the right. one-time option. So two years in now. It's been expedited. It's been moved up by about a year or so. And been, uh, more and more guys are moving. Yeah, it's been moved up. And and, and I think quarterback remains uh, the pinnacle of transfer activity for sure because there's less patience among backup quarterbacks than backups at any other spot on the field. Mm-hmm. But I think some of these other positions are catching up, right? They are. And no, they are. Um, because the freedom of movement, it's just yeah. so easy. You know, you can go from a number five receiver to a number one somewhere. Now, sometimes, as we talked about, guys overvalue themselves a little bit and think they're going to be able to do that, and they learn a, a hard lesson in that regard. Maybe it would have been better off to stay around at a place like Alabama for another year and develop and, and see what your ceiling really was at a place uh, like UA. But, no. Oh. I mean, it's, it's an entirely different time. And, you know, we, we've been getting drips and drabs of this stuff. But, man, you think about tomorrow, Monday, and what it could be like uh, by the time we get to Friday is just nuts. 
No question about it. All right, a little bit of news coming out on Sunday evening from Alabama in terms of uh, the annual awards banquet. Travis, no real surprise. Bryce Young named the MVP of the team. That's his second straight team MVP. He's also named a permanent captain along with Will Anderson and Jordan Battle. Uh, And, of course, there were uh, a whole bunch of other awards handed out, as they are each year at the banquet, for everything from academic achievement to uh, weight room dedication, all sorts of things. Uh, And they hand those awards out to three, four, five guys or more sometimes, depending on the, the, the award. And good for all of them. Nice for every one of them to get recognized. Although when I'm looking at a list like that, Travis, I get more out of it the fewer names are on it. It's like the A-Day Awards, you know. You got seven guys that won the Johnny Musso Offensive Back Award, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, but, no, I get it. It's smart by Nick Saban. It, it, it keeps the morale where you want it to be. It keeps the carrot in front of some guys like we're talking about that are maybe feeling like, it's not going to happen for me here. Are they not being as patient as maybe the coaching staff would like? You're able to give them a little sugar, you know. Um, but I'm with you. End of the season awards, it's it's a lot of guys uh, for defensive player of the year or offensive player of the year. And then they had the team MVP. And then, you know, but I'm with you. Good, good for all those guys. Um, and good for the permanent team captains, too. I mean, you're talking about a couple of guys in Bryce Young and Will Anderson if this is it, which we anticipate being the case, two-time permanent team captains at Alabama, that there's not many individual achievements you can acquire as a college football player that that uh, sort of eclipse that. Yeah, when, when the permanent captains were released, uh, I, 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 I tweeted out that uh, there was no suspense on two-thirds of that. But when I got to thinking about it, I, I came to – I came to the conclusion that Jordan Battle is maybe a little bit more of an obvious third choice, as I realize. Um, I, I don't know that, you know, I guess you could argue for Henry Toa Toa, especially from a leadership standpoint. You could make a case for a couple other guys, but I, I guess for a third captain, uh, Jordan Battle might be half ahead over anybody else. Yeah, and it changes year to year. Some years they have four guys. This year they only yeah. had three. Look into that what you might, you know, kind of maybe look into that and and make some conclusions if you want. But no, Jordan has been pretty much a four-year guy, at least, you know, I mean, in in his contributions on the back end. And I know you look at his stat line and I've even sort of done that this year and thought, man, zero takeaways for Jordan Mm -hmm. Battle. No fumble recoveries, no interceptions. Um, One pass breakup, I think. Um, you know, fourth on the team in tackles, I believe. But it, it tells you when he is honored in that way. And also from a defensive achievement perspective, he was honored. Mm-hmm. That like Toa Toa, uh, in terms of coordinating things on the back end of that defense, how important he really is and how he must be just a, uh, you know, a day in and day out stable presence for everyone on that team. It, it has to be a lot of intangibles. And that's not to say he didn't play well this year. It's right. just in terms of splash plays. Um, we didn't see as much of that from him. And and when you think about it, maybe that was the problem with Alabama's defense this year. Other than splash plays mm-hmm. on occasion, there wasn't the model of consistency. And maybe that's what the coaching staff sees in Jordan. 
I uh, I would agree. Jordan Battle, um, a guy who's got a, he certainly had a whole lot of experience, uh, and it w- was looked at uh, upon as a leader back there by the whole secondary. Helms too, uh, but I thought uh, Helms was great this year. Yeah. I you know I, I and and he had kind of the the numbers to sort of back it up. Although none of those guys on the back end really lit it up in terms of takeaways, um, but Demarco I thought was game in and game out really solid Brian Branch obviously too and he was I think honored in a way along with Will Anderson for defensive achievement that sort of pointed to that a couple NFL scouts have told me that they think Helms is a better prospect for the pros than than battle is and 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 from what I've seen uh I won't be I won't be surprised if he gets drafted a little bit ahead of Jordan uh, yeah I think with Jordan you just wonder okay he can play in the middle of the field but where's the place you know, sometimes with him. And um, he doesn't project, I don't think, as a guy that's going to drop down into the slot, right, and cover third or fourth receivers in the NFL. That's, right. you know, maybe more along the lines of what Brian Branch is going to do. And I, I think even for Branch, and, and he was really good this year too, uh, and not to turn this into an NFL draft discussion because we're going to have plenty of time for that. Um, I think that's going to be a very interesting part of his process if he comes out this year is Mm -hmm. how does he project chase if we ask him to play a role similar to what he played at Alabama or or are we looking at him as more of just a a true safety right Mm -hmm. there's money in being able to play man whether you're I mean mean, that goes without saying at corner but I mean at safety uh if if you can bust out and handle a guy in the slot handle the tight end they're gonna be big guys uh, mm-hmm. that, that Branch will have to deal with in the NFL uh, if he's in that role. But yeah, there's no doubt about it. If you're if you're a safety or some kind of hybrid safety, wh- how well you can play on third and long and coverage, that's that's absolutely where the money is. It's where the draft value probably is. Probably worth and, a round. Probably worth yeah, a round at least, right? At least. At, at, at least, least a round. Maybe because two. if the word is that you can't do that, well, now that's how you end up being looked at as a special teams guy. And those guys go on day three. Um, and I, I've talked to people in the National Football League in relation to Branch where they're not quite sold on him in that regard. So that, again, is going to be an interesting evaluation for him in terms of just how far can you go with him. Can he play just safety and sit him in the middle of the field or, you know, kind of Minka Fitzpatrick in that way at the next right. level? Or can you really drop him down and, and play against a legit NFL receivers. I'll say this: the guy is his work rate and his activeness is second to none. It's not because um, you know he doesn't he doesn't put into it what you need to, uh, and they put him in tough spots, man. I mean, look at the end of the Ole Miss game; he's manned up pretty much against Jonathan Mingo on that seam route, mm. and that's where they went with it, and he made the play. So he he has good tape. No doubt about it. Real quick, want to touch on that CFP field. Travis, your thoughts uh, on these matchups. Georgia, of course, will take on Ohio State, and Michigan will take on TCU. Uh, do you believe – we'll start with this, Travis. Do you believe or not believe the selection committee insisting that it gave no consideration to avoiding a Big Ten title game rematch in a semifinal? Sure, Chase. I don't, I don't believe that was the case. They absolutely didn't talk about that. 
That's my you Pinocchio. Have, yeah, That's you my Pinocchio have, impersonation for tonight. Yeah, if, if, uh, if you're listening instead of watching, you need to catch Travis <laughs> on that YouTube. That was an outstanding uh, Pinocchio. Oh, hell no, I don't believe him. Do you believe him? <laughs> I mean, no. we have a four-team playoff to avoid rematches. Yeah. yeah. We went to four teams because of Alabama LSU, right? I mean, right. isn't that why we did this? For, I mean, yes. for the most part? So, hell no, I don't believe him. Not nope. for a second. And they could easily end up getting their mat their their matchup their rematch anyway in the final, I guess. Although I don't know if Georgia's yeah. beatable. Uh, I, don't, I don't think Georgia's gonna Georgia and Atlanta, man, in the postseason yeah. hadn't been pretty, but no. it looked a lot better this past Saturday against a four-loss LSU team. I think Ohio State has the people kind of like Alabama a year ago in terms of quarterback and receivers that can get that thing maybe into the thirties more than Georgia would like. Mm -hmm. uh, but then I watch Michigan do what it did to Ohio state with a team that's very line of scrimmage oriented. Um, and, and a quarterback to me that isn't on the same level as Stetson Bennett. And they still hit explosives that Ohio state. We're going to talk a lot about Georgia secondary before this Ohio state game. We need to be talking about Ohio state's because they were atrocious against uh, against Michigan. I think Georgia can run it on anybody. 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 And, uh, the way they're yes. the way they're mashing people up front on offense yeah. and some of the playmaking they got on yes. they're they're just outlining a scrimmage of yes. people and I, Alabama fans get tired of hearing it, but but they look they oh, look like Alabama close. five years ago. There's yeah, no I mean I know a lot of Alabama fans are disappointed tonight, but. I think in some respects it might have been a favor <laughs> to mm. Alabama. I mean, you just gave up 318 to an Auburn offense that was down two starters for an offensive line that wasn't even close to yeah. Georgia's to begin with. And that's before we get into the tight ends and what yeah. they're able to do, not just as receivers. Bowers and Washington will block your ass. All Bauer, right? Bowers and is so out. Alabama couldn't set an edge against Auburn. You going to mm. set an edge against them? Plus, yeah, plus Georgia uh, against Auburn, if you wanted to, you could have played a four, four, you could have played an eight man box against Auburn. Uh, and, Just and, and play your freaking base yeah. a little bit more, you know? Yeah. There's two plays I went back because I'm, you know, I, I love to do this to myself. I went back and there were two plays that I know of that Alabama ran base against Auburn, and both of them were for tackles for loss. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. But we got to stay in that nickel, Pappy. <laughs> Do a little politicking. <laughs> and Auburn did a little pressing of the flesh. <laughs> oh, shake a leg, Junior. All right, we're going <laughs> to. We're going to move on here on the Talking Tide podcast. Going to thank a couple of sponsors really quickly here, and then we'll get into a little bit of Alabama basketball before we close things out. First, want to tell you all about DraftKings, the outstanding online and mobile sportsbook app. You got to get it downloaded. Get in on that NFL action. It is running hot right now. Some Alabama players having some phenomenal seasons at the pro level uh, for sure. Jalen Hurts. Lighten it up for those four, uh, Philadelphia Eagles looking outstanding. Uh, it's uh, everywhere you turn, it seems. Uh, uh, a former Alabama player is uh, playing a starring role. Big year for Josh Jacobs as well with the Raiders. But you can get in on all that action 
uh, and more with the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Just download it now. Use the promo code TPPN. Get $200 in free bets. If your team wins, just place a $5 bet on any football game only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. You can also boost your winnings with the DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. So check that those out as well. Only at the DraftKings Sportsbook using promo code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. I'm going to tell you about Peter Brook Chocolates here at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. I know in talking with the chocolate lady, she wants to let everyone know who have continued to make Peter Brook their Christmas destination for those treats there at Peter Brook Chocolatier. Thank you so much for doing that. And there is still time to take care of those special people in your life with the holiday season right here in our midst. So check them out at Peter Brook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa, man. Um, that peppermint bark, it's in season. It is tremendous. But uh, anything you need for a Christmas gift, Christmas stockings, Christmas treats, they're going to be able to take great care of you there at Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. All right, the Talking Tide podcast moves on. Once again, the Twitter feed talking underscore Tide. Thanks, as always, to DraftKings and Peterbrook Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa. Travis, before we touch on Alabama hoops, our guy Sam Matthews has a query uh, wants to know what we think about Deion Sanders on his way to the University wow. of Colorado. Nobody saw that coming, I don't think, Travis, uh, in, in a minute. What uh, what do you make of it? I didn't see it coming because I didn't think Prime would end up taking that job. But maybe at the end of the day, it was um, the, the, the best opportunity he had right now. And he was looking to make that jump to the Power 5 level. And, you know... I think prime times primes sort of persona and his celebrity and his iconic status uh, from a recruiting perspective, I think he transcends the typical hire by a Colorado. I mean, when Colorado mm -hmm. hires a head coach, you're thinking, all right, there isn't anything in Colorado every year as far as a talent base, right? right. Where is this guy going to go? Is he going to try to go to Texas? Is he going to go to California? Because you're not going to get it done just in Colorado. I think Dion is going to be able to recruit pretty much on a national level. And I think there's going to be an attraction from a transfer portal perspective. That's something else that he's got in his back pocket in terms of turning around a situation quicker than maybe you could in previous years. So, yeah, I think for Colorado, it's a slam dunk. It's a home run. I guess my bigger surprise was that maybe that's the best gig he had out there. And I guess with some of the other jobs that were talked about, Chase, South Florida, see, to me, that would have been the job for Dion, mm -hmm. the next right. job. Home area. Unless he was just intent on P5 right. or bust. Because to me, USF is basically a P5, you know, mm -hmm. uh, among the group of five programs out there that you could look at and say, you know, that's a Central Florida is kind of that way too. Um, Houston's kind of that way. That's that's what I would have thought. That seemed more like a, a seamless transition for him. But I'm not discounting what he might do out there, see, especially in see, the Pac-12. You see the Trey Sanders tweet today. Trey yeah. Sanders, the Alabama running back in the portal, said, uh, "Hey, uh, have you, you got know, room for me?" Yeah, <laughs> that, and that's 
I think that's going to be a lot of what I think Prime's going to have to tell guys he doesn't have room. He told the damn Colorado players tonight. Did you see that video? No. He what did he tell them? Y'all, y'all hit the transfer portal. <laughs> he told them that. <laughs> he said, "Cause we got some, we got some positions coming. Y'all go ahead and hit the portal." He says, "I'm bringing bags, and they're Louis, as in Louis Vuitton." Oh, so Dion goes into his initial. You know, I, I don't know if I recommend this. And dude. It's like Ed TV, the movie with Matthew McConaughey a few years back, you know, where they yeah. follow him all around when the reality TV. I mean, there are there there's cameras around him. There's audio. Um, some of it's cringy, but it's not as much because you think about this guy and what he might be capable of there. And, um, you know, I, it sounds like he's got to try to convince one of his own kids to leave Jackson State to come with him. Uh, the quarterbacks coming are going out there, but the the son who I believe transferred from South Carolina mm-hmm. to Jackson State, I think he's not totally sold on making the move with pops out to Boulder. I tell, I got to find that video I'll, when we get off of this podcast. Oh, I might go straight to it's it. It's kind of brutal, actually. Is it because it's yeah. video? It's taken from behind, Dion, mm-hmm. so you can see the faces of the cops. <laughs> Eyes like Mr. Magoo on this stuff. (laughs) Yeah. And see, I kind of wanted Dion at USF anyway, because Alabama goes to Tampa next September. That would have been a pretty good, uh, pretty good storyline with Prime and Saban matching down there. What's the over under on years Dion is at Colorado? Would you say uh, four and a half or is that too many? Whenever, you know, the the next gig, the next best gig pops up. Yeah, yeah. he's gonna have to build it up a little bit to get something better. I love Boulder. Yeah, I like it out there, man. I mean, it's beautiful and all that, but Prime's gonna outgrow that situation if it goes the way they all hope it does. And if you're Colorado, you're fine with that. Yep. If you get three or four years of Prime blowing up the roster, um, and get getting you to relevance in just the Pac-12 then it will have been worth it. I guess the concern is if he blows up your roster these days, he might damn well take it with him wherever he goes next. <laughs> well, they needed, like you said, they needed a shakeup at that school and yeah. they absolutely what, what, got What do you got to lose if you're Colorado in yeah. that situation? All right, really quickly before we get out of here, Travis, a quick look at the Alabama hoop squad. They just come off a win over South Dakota State. That final score 78 to 65. Noah Clowney with a game high 22. Lit it up from three point range coming off of that uh, injury against North Carolina that looked a little scary with that hard fall uh, against the Tar Heels. But Clowney clearly back. Uh, and Alabama now goes to seven and one, looking ahead now to facing the number one team in the country in Houston on the road on Saturday. Yeah, not to say that it gets real for this team because they just came back from Portland where they took on three Blue Bloods, right? So it's not like this team hasn't been tested already, but it's a quick little break with uh, South Dakota State, a team that really more so probably a year ago when it still had Baylor Baylor, uh, Shireman, who is now, I believe, at Creighton. Um, They were probably – thought of more as a legitimate NCAA tournament type team. Um, they've had their struggles and man, schedule wise, they are on a roadie from all get out, but um, 
No, it was Noah Clowney, man. I mean, how impressive for that guy. After that spill he took uh, last Sunday out in Portland against North Carolina, and then to come back and, and go like he did, not just in terms of points and rebounds and winning the hard hat award, but uh, the charge takes. You know me, man. I'm a big charge takes person. And mm. uh, to see him give himself up sort of like Herb Jones just time and time again, uh, just very impressive. And, you know, those 43s for Alabama in the game, I know you like those. <laughs> I like three-pointers just fine. I don't, I don't mind them at Back all. Back to the I, basket. Good, Brad. Post I, them up. Threes are fine. I like those th- those those passes out of those three-point shooters, though. I like them when those passes pop out of the lane uh, uh, from somebody who can, who can uh, collapse the defense maybe just a little bit. It looks to me like uh, Noah Gurley's got half a green light from Nate Oates to play uh, – with his back to the basket with the ball a little bit. You see that from yeah. him uh, here and there. Uh, but uh, at any rate, Alabama looking ahead to a tough stretch in the schedule. And uh, uh, when we reconvene here on Talking Tide, we'll be talking some Alabama football and basketball once again. But that is going to do it for now here on this Sunday nighter. For Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com, I'm Chase Goodbread, the sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News. We'll be coming at you again real soon right here on Talking Tide.